I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Blythe Daniel with me as we have a conversation around Mark 2 and what the Lord is teaching her. Blythe has co-authored two books with her mother. The first is called Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mothers and Daughters. And the second is called I Love You, Mom, which just released a few months ago. Both are beautiful and insightful books. And I've actually really been enjoying both of them so much. And so I'm grateful for Blythe and for her mother, Helen, and the work that they've done in their relationship and just the way that they share that with us. Blythe also has 20 years of experience in the publishing industry as a literary agent. And so she just has so many things on her plate. And I'm so excited to introduce you to her and welcome her to the podcast. So welcome, Blythe. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Jody. I'm so glad to be with you today. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and the work that you do during the day? So I am a wife and a mom. I have three children. Actually, they're more like teens at this point. I have a 14-year-old daughter and then twins, a boy and a girl that are 12. Um, and I, it does keep me very busy to follow their activities and, and be present to their needs. Um, someone told me a while back, you know, your kids need you when they're little, they need you physically. And when they get older, they need you emotionally. Mm. And, and I've really seen that to be true because, um, though my kids are capable of fixing their own meals, they, they just need me to listen. And, um, sometimes they just need to be able to have somebody hear what they want to say and not even respond. And, um, so anyway, just loving watching them become young men and young women. And, Mm -hmm. um, my husband and I, we live, um, we live in Colorado and, and we love the mountains out here. We love the focus on ministry that this city has, um, because I left Nashville, Tennessee, which is a very big hub of, um, ministry and, you know, churches and lots of opportunities for us as believers, but God called me out here to join my husband. This is where he's from. So I came out um, to join him and, and seek what God had in store for us 18 years ago. And I'm very grateful that God led us here because he has given us opportunities that, you know, I didn't even see or know I'd be interested in. Like for an example, um, I'm working with the youth at our church. Like I never thought I would be working with youth. Um, I, I just, I don't know, but I, I'm so grateful that I'm, that my, my, kids will let me be in, in the youth area with them. And, um, at at this point, I'm just loving, I'm really loving middle grade girls. Oh, I love that. That is actually, I think a special calling. (laughs) And I love that your girls are welcoming you into that space. That says a lot about what they think of you. So that's really sweet. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. 
Before we dive into the passage, I do want to give us a quick reminder of it. Um, and I went into a little more context in the meditation portion, so I won't do that here. So let me just read it for us. It's Mark chapter two, verses one through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowds, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. So we did this as Electio Divina, and it's a bit longer of a passage to do as Electio Divina, but there's was just really nothing to cut out because it's such a great whole passage taken all together. And so we just were asking the Lord, help us notice a word or phrase. So Blythe, let's start there. Tell me, what did you notice when you were reading and meditating on this passage? Well, I first noticed the word home. Jody, mm-hmm. I noticed it in the beginning of the passage and to your great encouragement to read right before this, if you were to read the end of Mark one, um, basically, you know, Jesus had left the area because word had spread about him and he could no longer enter into a town openly. So scripture says he was in lonely places, but the people mm-hmm. still came to him, but, but he came home and everyone wanted to hear from him. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was noticing the word home in the very beginning, Jesus came home. And then if you look at the very end of the passage here, mm-hmm. it says that, you know, the paralyzed man, he took his mat, take up your mat and go home. Jesus was sending him back to his home. And I can only imagine that when he was doing that, it was as if he was saying, I want you to take this miracle back to your home and share mm-hmm. Um, which is what he had said at the end of Mark one, when, when he was telling, you know, that he said, you know, don't go and tell anybody about this, you know, go and be cleansed (laughs) and, 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 and you basically pay respects to Moses, like go with the law here. And, and basically it's coming back circle again. So it'd be interesting Mm -hmm. to know how this man, if he did go home and tell, or if he, you know, started talking about Jesus or kept it quiet, but those things we don't for sure know, but those are, those are the words that word stuck, stood out to me for sure. I love that. And I love how you pulled both of those out. Um, it is such an interesting word, especially in the beginning that Jesus came home because 
we're also told in scripture that he never really had a home. And so then you've got a question, what does that actually mean? And we speculate that it actually means that Peter's home kind of was his home. Like he was welcome into the family as a brother and a friend in such a way that whenever he was there, he was probably at Peter's home. And so it was just considered his home. I always think of like, Mikasa es su casa. <laughs> My home is your home. And so um, I do think that's beautiful. And I love then how you pulled it out at the bottom too, or the the end of the passage. And you're right. We don't know. We have no idea um, what that man did, but we can only imagine his life was totally transformed. Um, he went from being paralyzed to being able to walk and mm you know, have the use of his body in a new way that he hadn't. So I'm sure there were so many questions he had to be able to answer those. Hopefully he did. Hopefully he didn't hide it and just, oh, I don't know what happened. But um, I would imagine that he pointed to Jesus, but you're right. We don't know. So that's great. Well, tell me, I'd love to know, you know, as you kind of kept diving into the passage, um, where did you go next with the Lord? So Another word that stood out to me um, was the word paralyzed. Mm. And I went further into that and I thought, well, Lord, why am I focused on that word? And one of the things that I felt like came came from that was that some of us are paralyzed by, by anxiety. We don't feel at home in our own home. You know, strangers were questioning Jesus in this home. And then I thought, do I question Jesus in my home? Mm. And I, I really, um, I've, you know, I've seen a lot of anxiety. I've experienced anxiety. Um, and I thought, you know, this man was physically paralyzed, but how many of us are paralyzed by anxiety or, or something else that we need? We need Jesus to transform us. And so um, how hungry am I for God? Um, in my own home, in the home that Jesus fills this space. So um, that's really what came up next for me. Mm. Yeah. And I love how you brought that um, paralyzed man into even what you could experience. Because whilst there may be somebody that actually is paralyzed, um, that's listening to this, most of us have to then question, well, what are the things that, that have us unable to move forward in the way that God is inviting us to move forward. And anxiety is a great one. So did anything else stand out to you as you kept diving into this passage? Yes. You know, um, I love how Jesus did both. It's just like Jesus to come in and do yeah. all of it. Not just one thing, not just forgive or not That's just right. heal, but do both. And so I love that, um, the way that Jesus completely answered the teachers of the law by you know, saying that the authority was under the son of man. I mean, he basically then did proclaim who he was mm -hmm. um, being able to say that he revealed himself by calling himself. The son of man has the authority to forgive sin. So he forgave him and then came the healing. Um, so I think a lot of times, you know, forgiveness precedes healing. Certainly mm -hmm. forgiveness can precede the healing of our hearts or our hurts, but whether it's in the home or any kind of physical pain or anxiety, as I mentioned, that forgiveness precedes healing. And, and I love that Jesus wrapped up the day by doing both. Um, and it just, it just spoke to me again, God is after the whole picture. And, 
and he is ready to show people the the wholeness of who he is, that he is able to proclaim forgiveness and he's able to heal. Um, and that's the, that's the gift that we get as his children. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking, as you were saying about uh, that, he does both of those. That's just the abundance of who Jesus is. Like he's, yes, I can just forgive your sins. And truly that's what you need the most. Like in the eternal scheme of life, that's what you need the most. You don't need your body to be healed. And yet he knows, well, to live in this world, that would actually be super helpful. So I'm going to do both for you. Um, and yeah, I just think that's just his such sweet abundance that he does that. Well, I'm curious, Blythe, if, if you took this another step, you kind of started talking a little bit about how this applied to your life, but tell me then how did you and the Lord kind of move into this space of, okay, so what does this mean for you right now? And, and tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, you know, as I was thinking about the, the thought that forgiveness precedes healing of our hearts, um, I went ahead and, and just said, God, I ask forgiveness, forgiveness for my lack of faith and my trying to walk on my own power on my own without your power. Um, on certain days when I feel like it's all up to me to, to do it, it's all up to me. And so um, I really went to this place of like needing forgiveness in my heart for, you know, abandoning him and going, yes, you did it for this person, but I feel like I'm on, you know, I'm, it's all up to me at this point. And so um, we know that when we do that, we are, um, we are basically saying your power, your sacrifices for me on the cross weren't enough. And that if I'm Mm. in more of control here um, and so we don't mean to be, you know, prideful or, or, or feeling like we've left, left God out of the picture, but I think that can easily creep in. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because that anxiety that I was talking about that I have felt it, it can come in because we feel like it's all up to us. And oh, yeah. then, and then we need to ask forgiveness because we think it's all up for us. So it can kind of be a vicious cycle if we aren't careful. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, I mean, I a hundred percent identify with everything that you're saying there and just how we do get to that place of feeling like one, this, this depends on me, depends on how I'm going to act. Um, and having to say, Lord, forgive me for my lack of faith in this situation, or for me going out and thinking I needed to make this happen or uh, take control of a situation that you are actually in control of. And I mean, so many things, the list, the list is sadly endless, endless of the ways that I do that. And so, yes, thank you for saying that. I think that is, is very true of us. I love how you said, um, you know, forgiveness precedes healing. And I see that so much in the book that you and your mom wrote called mended. And a lot of it is about the forgiveness that your mom had to give to your grandmother um, to her mother because of the pain and dysfunction that was, you know, brought into the family and into the family system. So I'd love to know just a little bit more about that journey for you guys and even just, you know, writing this book together and how that brought about forgiveness, which led to some restoration for the two of you as well. Yes. You know, um, I knew my mom's story because I lived, I lived it with her. I, I saw her mom react to her and respond to her. And, 
and, and it crushed me as a young girl to see someone that I trusted, you know, hurt my mom Mm -hmm. who I loved so very much. Um, and, and so growing up, I was aware that there were, um, things in our family that weren't right. I mean, there were words spoken and anger and, and so, you know, watching my mom navigate that with the best of her ability with God's help, of course, God was her strength and still is, but, um, it did leave an impression on me of, I don't want this, this, this is not something I, you know, would ever want for my family to have. And, and so watching my mom make the decision to stop, um, the, the words that were spoken over her and that she wasn't going to do that over me and my brother. Um, it was powerful to see her make this intentional shift towards, um, healing, you know, with her mom to the, to the degree that she could, but then also to just say, this is how our family is going to operate. And she taught my brother and I how to ask for forgiveness when we were little. And, um, which is Mm. what we talk some about in Mended is just the different types of forgiveness and how you initiate forgiveness. Um, and even though her mom never asked for her forgiveness, my mom learned how to even say, mom, I choose to forgive you. And I, the, the places that have been hard between us, I choose to forgive you. And, um, and I love you. And, you know, I think that's powerful because the way that mom learned that was, was really through some hard, hard seasons. And so when we wrote this book together, it was bringing a lot of that back of what my mom experienced and how she did things differently with my brother and I. So we have the perspective of someone who has endured a difficult relationship. Um, but also what can we do as daughters or even as mothers of girls or sons that we're raising, how can we do things differently? And so it, it really helped us go back and talk about some things that we hadn't really talked about before. And I thought we had covered most everything, but (laughs) we did, we did look at some things that we needed to bring out for both of us, healing for both of us. And even in our own relationship, you know, there certainly were seasons where um, I felt distanced from mom and I needed to be able to go back and express that. So as we were writing out these stories, we would do what we talk about in the book. And it was to say, are you okay with my sharing this? Or are you okay? If Mm -hmm. I include this, how do you feel about this? Was this true of what you thought at that time? So it Mm -hmm. did allow us to go deeper and just to make sure that when we were going to share something, it would be out of love and respect. Um, And that's really how we've tried to operate in our relationships. When, when we've seen these places between us, it's not to say, well, you did this. So I, you know, so I had to do this. It was, it's very much, you know, mom, I, I don't think that you meant those words that you said, but this is how it came across. And, and then we can talk about it from there. Um, we don't ever want to put something on the other person that may or may not be true. We will always want to take responsibility for our thoughts and how we reacted and, and, you know, do our part to bridge the relationship. So it definitely was good for us to go back um, and talk about some mm-hmm. things, but also look at the future of how do we want to continue to pour into our relationship? How do we maintain a good relationship um, as we write this book and as we live life together? Yeah, I think, you know, the word that kept coming to mind is that we make assumptions for the other person, why they're doing something, you know, we kind of, um, as 
Brene Brown says we make up stories for other people <laughs> and what their intentions were. And I love that you and your mom had to have these intentional conversations about, well, is that what you meant or why did you do that? Tell me more about what was happening behind the scenes for you or what was happening in your heart. Um, and it sounds like your mother, um, well, first of all, very much welcomed that um, in your relationship, but it also feels like there was just this grace given to her to break a cycle um, that was really destructive that was put on her. And tell me a little bit about that. How did, how do you think that happened for her? You know, she would say that as she started going back to get her degrees in counseling, that God was really the one who opened her mind and heart to what she could do given the situation that she was in. So she would say scripture certainly was her comfort and was her guide. Mm -hmm. Um, But she did learn some principles by getting a doctorate in psychology. And so she was learning at the same time that she was teaching my brother and I some truths that we could live by. And, and so it it really was, um, she didn't have a mentor or someone helping her know what she needed to do. She would say, I, I would pray and ask God to give me words for my mom. You know, that's what she would say. And God was really mm-hmm. faithful. And I think it was because my mom was so hungry and, and she sought, you know, she sought the Lord. She didn't say, well, God, you could yeah. have made this better. I could have had a different family. Right. really leaned into the hurt. And I think so many times we don't like that. It's uncomfortable. And so we choose to maybe ignore it, or we choose to just pretend that it's not there or that, that it'll get better. But I love how mom just addressed it. Um, she talks about, you know, and even in our book mended about the elephant in the living room, you know, people want to walk around it because it stinks and no one wants to address it. And so, (laughs) um, but, but that isn't, that isn't healthy. And we know that. And so I'm grateful that my mom learned the things that she learned and then passed it on to me because literally that generational piece you were talking about, it's so important that we can show our children how they can handle Mm -hmm. problems or conflict, or even our relationship with our children can be so different than what we see in the world. than when we see these broken relationships and broken dreams and broken families, but we don't have to follow that model. Like we really can be different and set apart. Um, but it, it is intentional, but it's also hopeful to know that, you know, generations behind us can really benefit from the work we do now. Yeah. So I would love to know for you, what does that look like as you parent a 12 and 14 year old daughter? How, how are some of the lessons even that you wrote about in Mended and kind of worked through with your mom? How are some of those things informing just the practical day-to-day mothering journey that you're on right now? So we have um, written about, you know, how you don't want to try to give advice or, or, you know, control the other person with, yeah. with how you approach them and how you talk to them. And I mean, you know, I wish I could tell you that this has been a long time ago, but I'm going to say it's been this week that I tried to do that with my 12 year old. And, um, it didn't, it didn't go well. Um, I thought I was, you know, trying to be helpful and correcting, but it actually sent her to her room. She, she was like, I'm <laughs> mad at you. And so, you know, as a mom, you feel guilty because you thought you were doing the right thing, but, but I had, but I went to her and I just said, um, Kaylin, 
what could I have said that would have been a better way to say what I needed to say? And, and she gave me an answer and, and it was a very good answer. And so it just reminded that sometimes our intentions are good, but the way that we say things, it makes the other person feel like they couldn't have made that choice or they couldn't have thought of that on their own. And so mm. it's better to then say, you know, instead of trying to give advice or trying to tell somebody what to do or what you think they should wear or be, it's to say, is it okay if I give you some feedback? Is it okay if I share something with you? And inviting yourself into the conversation versus just, you know, saying something and wishing you would have said it in a different way. And so this is something that I'm continually learning. It, it's that place of, and especially as our children get older, we're no longer telling them things because they're young and we have to remind them, but they're, they're little adults. They, they know what to do. And so it's trying to then be more of a coach um, that is guiding them, but isn't making those decisions or telling them something that they already know, you know, they just might need a little encouragement. And so if I can remember to encourage with my words, rather than try to teach, I just feel like it goes a whole lot better. Yeah. I mean, it's such a hard thing. I mean, even as you're talking, I'm thinking, oh, but what about the situations where they really are doing something that's not okay. And that's not Mm -hmm. what you're talking about. Am I hearing you right? Exactly. Exactly. And I want to be a bridge builder to my daughters and my son. I want to be able to connect with them and whatever may be going on in their life. I want to better understand it so I can build bridges and, and not build walls. And I found myself, I tell you this, you already know this, but you know, time spent in the car talking when driving home from school or on the way to gymnastics practice, you know, those are the times that I feel like they're sharing more with me versus if I were to try to sit down and have a a serious conversation. So as I'm trying to enter into their world more and connect with them, I find that then they're more open to me. If I can show that I'm on their level and I'm talking to them about, you know, something that happened at school or, or just even going with them to, a practice of some sort. And and so I'm finding that my idea of where to connect may not be their best idea. So I need to pick out what's the place that they would most appreciate hearing from me and how do I connect with them on their level. And that's just something I'm continuing to learn. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things I really love about your book, especially if people are really struggling with how do I, you know, love my mother or how do I love my daughter or even son, because I don't think it is exclusive. I mean, it is written about mothers and daughters, but I think there's general parenting um, wisdom in this book. But one of the things that I love that you guys do is you have in bold letters all throughout the book, here's an idea of a way you could say this. (laughs) Instead of saying, blah, 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 why don't you say it this way? And it's always very invitational and I've noticed this, or I choose this for myself, you know, how can we do this better? Those types of things. And so I love that you have made it a really helpful resource book. um, If people really are trying to figure out how to mend uh, a a relationship that seems strained or is broken. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I appreciate that so much because we did want to make it conversational for people. Sometimes we're just stuck and we don't even know what to say. Um, And you know, my mom has helped me in this a lot, but she'll say that it, it's great to start with the, what you want. And that is, you know, mom or, or daughter, I, I want a good relationship with you. 
And I know that we have the situation between us, but what I want is, is to, you know, take care of my part of this. I want to know what can I do to make things better between us. And so putting it back on ourselves is often a good way to start the conversation of maybe I did this and it wasn't the best way to approach you or maybe I said something that, you know, would you, would you please forgive me? And I tell you that the, the forgiveness aspect is so powerful. Um, I, I, I know my kids will say yes when I ask them, but I still want to ask them to forgive me yeah. for something I've done. And, um, and in that right there does help our relationship. It, it really does bring us closer. So um, those are some of the things that I, mm-hmm. I think are helpful because these aren't just things that we've thought might be a good idea. We really do use these. So. Yeah. Well, and I, I can see that. And, and what I think that does is it, first of all, it, it shows that you're being humble and I think it's very disarming. It, it helps somebody then kind of lower down their defenses and be like, okay, well, <laughs> yes, I also want a good relationship with you. And so let's, let's move forward and figure out how to do this. So it's beautiful. The other thing I love about it, I'll just say this real quick is you have this um, section at the end of every chapter called the mending thread. And it's basically scripture where you're pointing back to what does God's word say about this and anchoring all of this um, in scriptural truth, and then an activity or a way to make it personal to how, how can you live this out in a new way? And so it's just, it is a really great resource book and I highly recommend it. Um, well, Blythe, I would love to just tell people how they can find you. So why don't you tell us? Great. I would love for people to reach out to me and would love to hear from you. Um, I am on Facebook just under my name, um, Blythe Daniel, and then Instagram as well under Blythe Daniel. And then we have a website where we have resources for mended as well as our new book. I love you, mom. And that website is our mended hearts.com. So, O U R mended hearts.com. And so I would love, love to hear from you. And I just appreciate you, Jody, so much. Thank you for allowing me to come on and talk to you and share just some time together and definitely loving looking at God's word together too. It's so special and so needed for us to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. I'll put all of that in our show notes. Hey, and I also want to thank you all as always for joining me and Blythe today on so much more because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us. And this is one way we're creating space to listen. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.